Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Yo, 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 what is up? What is going on? Welcome back to another lovely Winning Wednesday and another episode of the Millennial Way. As you guys know, I mentioned this last week, but I'm actually working very, very, very hard on getting a new podcast launched called Class After Dark, and it's going to be awesome, guys. It's going to be the Millennial Way on steroids, better guests. We're going to have two shows a week, and one thing that I'm actually thinking about, I'll give you guys a little bit of a a little teaser into my own head, is I'm now on this app called Locker Room. And I'd mentioned this, I think, four weeks ago. I continue to mention it every week. And I host a show every Monday with my good friend Jarrell at, every day at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Um, and it's called COVID Chronicles right now. We're actually going to change the name over to Class After Dark as well. But we talk about a lot of different topics. And this week we talked about media in a pandemic. And we brought on my good friend Mitch Furman, who is a reporter from the Texas Tribune, to talk about it. And we're actually I'm actually posting that episode here with this EP. So once the intro is over, you'll be able to hear the full live show. And it's just awesome, guys. I I really hope that you enjoy this. Mitch actually dives into weaponized media, big media. He talks about a lot of different things that are going on in in the media today. And it's actually a great time to be talking to Mitch because Jacob Blake was unnecessarily shot in the back seven times over the weekend. And I think the a lot of us have seen the video. I personally have not seen the video because I don't want to see it. Um, I saw the beginning clip and then I frankly just turned it off because I already knew how it was going to end. And I didn't, I, I, we've all been through so much throughout this, this quarantine period that it was just way too tough on me mentally to be able to see a brother like that go down for no apparent reason. But long story short, this episode is awesome. This is our show that we host on Locker Room. Again, every Tuesday at three o'clock Pacific time at six o'clock Eastern time. We're able to interact with the fans. We're able to pull fans up from the crowd and actually allow you guys to come ask questions, come interact with us. It's it's a whole lot of fun. So enough of me rambling. Let's get into this fun ass. Yo, Mitch, what's happening, big dog? How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Man, a lot going on in the country again today. Seriously. What's up, Jarrell? What's up, Jarrell, brother? Nothing much. Not too bad. Not too bad. Mitch, man, I I was just – actually, Mitch and Jarrell, I was just reading up on ESPN. um, Obviously, you know, with the Jacob Blake um, event happening, I think it was this weekend or was it yesterday – um, that some of the teams are even thinking about boycotting in some way, shape, or form, whether it's not playing in Thursday night's games or something of that sort. I think this is really interesting to see how the NBA teams are kind of taking matters into their own hands right now and saying, you know what, F this. Like, we're here to play basketball, yes, but we're also here to amplify our message, and I think it's pretty cool to see. Wow. So they would, they would like, not play the game and and – what would they, what are they like asking for or whatever? Um, so I don't think they're they like, so, so this is at, at least in the one article that I read, um, it was saying, it was an interview with Fred Van Vliet and he was saying that they the team, at least the Raptors and the, the Celtics were also having conversations about this too, but their ask is that they're not being heard enough. Um, they don't feel like, you know, as black men in society and still being able to have a platform where you have millions of viewers tuning in every single day. I mean, particularly between, at least on the, on the West coast is between 10 PM and 8 PM or 10 AM and 8 PM. We have basketball. Um, But they're saying with that platform, they're speaking very, very loudly. They're taking every opportunity that they have when they're on camera, when they're not on camera to continue to amplify the message that, you know, black lives in fact do matter and that they, um, that we need change within the racial or within the justice um, system. And seeing a video like that last night proves that it's not, nothing has changed over the last five to six months. So I think that's more of what their, their whole point is. And I think the reason that they're even thinking about boycotting is because they want to make a very big stance on what's going on 
Wow. Yeah, that'd be that'd be big. Yeah, yeah I totally huge. agree. I think I think um kind of the other thing with boycotting, I think that um you know, at the beginning, uh, when the NBA kind of just started back up, you know, there were some players that were, you know, talking about boycotting and, you know, opting out instead of playing like Kyrie. But, um, I think like the bigger message that they're trying to send is more not really, um, using their platform to, um, kind of get a message out but also to step away like sometimes we have to step away and kind of allow other things to shed light and i think that you know while sports is like very very important and it's super entertaining for a lot of people it could also prove as kind of a distraction or at least like an outlet to distract you from what's going on and so i think a lot of nba players understand that i agree i agree i think a lot of them see it as a distraction to what's going on and that's i think why a lot of them felt um indifferent about going down to the bubble um but i also think a lot of them fought for the bubble because they figured that they would be able to use an even bigger platform that they have today so it's all just interesting stuff um but mm-hmm. we got my boy Mitch who joined us today. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us. Um, guys, for listening today, Mitch is the host of um, of Capital Chill and also a reporter at the Texas Tribune. If you have clicked on his profile already, um, and I've known Mitch since shit middle school, high school, and we go way, way back. Um, so super excited to have you joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, of course, man. Um, so we wanted to talk to you today about media during a pandemic and how it's kind of changed and pivoted over this time period, right? I mean, I think we all had got kind of slapped in the face early March when we all had to work from home, essentially, or we were losing our jobs um, if we were on the other side of the spectrum. And your job has changed similarly to that as well. And I actually wanted to start off with Something that I saw on AOC's Instagram uh, just yesterday, actually, or I think it was this morning, um, and she was actually talking about uh, the media. So somebody asked her, do you actually see truth in media or is it hyped for more views? Now, she wrote, I mean, shit, it could be, if you put it in a Word document, it could be like two to three pages. So I'm not going to read everything that she said, but I kind of want to start off with this. Um, so first thing she said, journalists and members of the press are people with jobs that are overworked and underpaid and underappreciated. Uh, so I'm not here to dump on them because they deal with enough. I respect them a lot and admire those who conduct their work with integrity, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, and then she kind of dives into a little bit about what the business of media is. And she was saying like the institutions and incentives in media um, is absolutely incentivized towards conflict and drama because that's what generates clicks, views and revenue. Um, Mitch, I actually think we talked about this like a month ago and talking about headlines. Um, yeah. And she said, that said, when you see a fact, a quote unquote fact that is reported, cited and verified by several reputable outlets, 99.999% of the time, it's going to be true. Um, But there's a big difference between a fact and a story. Um, And the story, which is often the headline that's told surrounding the fact is frequently stretched, mischaracterized or dramatized to get you to click. And sometimes the story is so misleading that even though it contains facts, it is told in such a way that people will can people will walk away thinking the wrong thing or just getting angry about someone, something that's actually not a big deal. And then in closing, uh, she also says that writers write the story, but don't actually make up the headlines. So Mitch, I'd love to just hear your reaction to what she said. I, I honestly agree with it. And having had conversations with you, I think what she said is pretty true, but would love to get your reaction just to what AOC was able to articulate about the media. Yeah, I, I, I think it is mostly true what she said. Um, my, our, our editorial director at the Texas Tribune, uh, her name is Stacey Marie Ishmael, great Twitter follow. Um, she, she tweeted, she like retweeted someone who posted the screenshots of AOC's IG post. And Stacey said, reiterating as someone who's taught journalism and as a professional editor, read this. And, you know, obviously it's not like required reading, but, uh, 
if yeah. if anyone is like actually interested in like dig, diving into this, like she brings up very like relevant and coherent points um, that are like important, you know, because a lot of people who consume the news, like you don't have time to like, a lot of people aren't like thinking about how the sausage is made, you know, like people just have time to like read a headline or a summary or, or the story itself or watch a clip or listen to something. Um, so like, it's a, uh, it's a conversation a lot about like, you know, we don't write our own headlines. Well, it's like, all right, well, like us as a collective, like industry, like the news industry, we need to like have, we need to make sure our headlines are right. We need to make sure like our tweets are, are accurate and, you know, sum up accurately and coherently, like what, you know, a story is about, like all of the parts need to be in sync. And, uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, like AOC, like pointed out, like a, a lot of times they aren't. Um, and, you know, those can be traced back to a number of reasons like the business model and, you know, understaffing or lack, you know, lack of staffing, whatever the case is. Um, but to your point, like people don't have time to think about that stuff. Right. So they're just like consuming. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of ways to like improve that and we could like get into that if you want. Um, uh, I I just think it's interesting. Well, it's a huge, you know, call it issue. Right. And, and one kind of follow up question that I have for you that just made me you made me kind of think of this is, do you think that, you know, like you're saying, consumers just don't have a lot of time, right? Whether it's, I want to feel educated. So I'm going to read all the headlines on CNN today. And then I'm just going to say exactly what they said in the summary, because that's how I can conversate with my friends or whether it's because like I work, you know, 23 hours out of the day and I only have a little bit of time to maybe check the headlines just to see, just to make sure America's not on fire. But my question for you is, do you think that social media has actually made that made media worse? And the fact that it's not controlled by like their website or by like a printed paper, but, and I'm talking big media here, right? Like I'm not talking about the Texas Tribune cause I think you guys are awesome. And I, I'm actually subscribed to you guys. Um, but I'm talking about like big, big media that we see every day, like MSNBC, uh, Fox news. Do you think that social media has kind of made this worse for at least the consumer standpoint? I mean, it depends on the outlet, right? Because some people, uh, some organizations have stronger social or audience teams, you know, who are in charge of those mm-hmm. things. Um, and, and they, and like the way they configure their, their social platforms are in line with their mission, whatever that is of, of a particular news organization. Um, a, a distinction that's really important, I think, for people when like talking about, this is like working in media and working in news are not interchangeable experiences. Media, you know, you mentioned CNN. It's a great example. Like CNN has very clearly, you know, gotten into the partisan fray, you know, like they have, they have very clearly like gone after like money and, uh, and and politics and they've used trump as like a catapult with that right um and they are hiring more talking heads than ever more analysts than ever and some of them some of these people are incredibly incredibly experienced and insightful but you know for everyone you'll get like some someone who's like uh you know chris christie or someone like who's gonna like just use it for political leverage the platform um which is fine for them. Like they, you know, these places are hiring them. Like it's on the, it's on the outlet for, but I think uh, um, social media gives outlets an opportunity to reach way more audiences than they ever could have probably imagined, you know? Yeah. Um, Any of the, any of the big networks, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC. I mean, they, they have, they've amassed, millions of followers on, on social, on various outlet, various social platforms. Um, but yeah, like it, they can be weaponized. Like if, you, if you're using social media in, in ways just to, just to attract clicks um, and you're, and you're kind of stoking the flames of division instead of like, just clearly, you know, putting out what the news is, then, then that's a, then that's, that's destructive. 
Absolutely, man. I mean, I just, you know, re- thinking through what AOC said and how she started talking about clicks and people having to have a good, or not people, but media having to have a good enough headline that's enticing for people. It just kind of brings me back to like being a marketer, even at Starbucks, right? When I worked in digital at Starbucks, we talked about clicks a lot. And what is it that we're going to do that's going to get people to to actually click and, and then come through to our website. So whether it's purchase a gift card or go into a cafe or whatever it may be. And from a business standpoint, it made a lot of sense on how we change our campaigns, our marketing campaigns based off of somebody. Like Mitch, I'm not going to serve you up a pumpkin spice latte uh, campaign if I know that you don't necessarily like pumpkin. But you know, if Taylor's uh, one of my customers, I know that I'm going to serve her up a pumpkin spice latte because she might come back and buy it you know, twice a week or whatever it may be. And I actually had a pumpkin spice latte this morning. So shout out Starbucks. Um, but the reason that I, that I bring that up is because media, at least from like a consumer standpoint, when I think about the news and everything that I'm reading, I think of it to always be factual, or at least I used to always think that it should be factual and it should always be information that should help me in some way, shape or form. But when I think about like marketing campaigns, I think of it as a business driver. And then when you kind of mix the two together, it's like, oh my Lord, like how does this even like they're doing it because they want to drive clicks and they want to drive revenue versus doing it for the other reason, which I at least came into it thinking that's what news and media was for, which was to inform the public about what was going on. So it's just, I just found it as like, I don't know, kind of polarizing to hear that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah, totally agree. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely does. And kind of what I had mentioned briefly about like the the big networks. I mean, the big networks are after like, you know, they're not really in this for uh I guess like news value a lot of you know, many times. Like they do pl- they do plenty of good work, but with that you also get a lot of stuff to drive traffic and to keep, you know, there's so much money at stake. In, in, in yeah. with these big networks. And, yeah. uh, and so like when your mission is not clear, like you, what is CNN or MSNBC or Fox or ABC's like mission? Like the normal, any, any, any consumer couldn't tell. I don't know if I could tell you, like, I don't, I don't like, it's not clearly laid out. Right. Like you don't, you don't, you go to CNN, you think for the news, but like you're getting a, you're getting like a poo poo platter of stuff, you know? that's yeah i mean it's very true and what's funny that you say that is i just went on cnn's website went on cnn.com and i'm looking to see where on most company websites you find their mission and values pretty much either at the very top of the home page or you'd find it somewhere on the home page or you could go to the about page um Mm -hmm. and as i look through here besides the fact that like i can't even find the about page which i'm struggling to actually they don't have an about page um yeah you you actually can't find out what they stand for. This is wow. This is in real time. This is very interesting. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the poo poo platters. Um, Mac Mac said our mission dismantle Donald Trump. That's probably CNN's mission. Um, so Mitch, let's let's talk about your job real quickly because we talked a little bit about big businesses or big uh, big media. You cover economy and energy, right? For the Texas Tribune, right. Um, how has that been going so far, man? I mean, you've had to kind of adjust. I know our conversations over the last couple of months, it's been different because you just moved to Houston and it's a new city for you. Um, but how, how, how's it been kind of managing, you know, economy and shit energy just over this COVID time period? Cause you know, as I watch the stock market, I see oil continue to trickle down and solar continue to trickle up. So every time I see that, I'm like, damn, Mitch is probably hard at work. <laughs> Yeah, it's been nuts. Uh, I my first day on the job, like the oil market crashed in in March for the first time. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just been crazy. Obviously, the economy all over the country is in in like totally upended. Um, so and in Texas specifically, the energy industry and specifically oil is so tightly tied to the state's economy. There's a ton of jobs, and Houston's like the energy capital of the world. Um, is what they brand themselves as. And, uh, yeah, so it's just been kind of, it's been crazy. Like COVID has touched every part of, of Texas and, and especially the business side of Texas and the economy. Um, 
but the, yeah, the Texas Tribune is awesome. I love everyone I work with, um, who I've barely met, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, I've been writing a lot about like unemployment and people who are affected by the economy right now. Like a lot of, um, restaurant and bar workers, um, people like oil field workers, uh, just like ran, you know, people whose work, you know, went away with, with COVID and, um, the, so like the social safety net nets that exist in Texas are, are incredibly inadequate. Um, like I'm writing a story right now on this guy who receives $69 a week in unemployment benefits and doesn't qualify for like, yeah, like these extra payments that the Trump administration issued because you need to be making like at least a hundred dollars in jobless benefits. And he's making so little because he was working part-time because he's a full-time student and has a kid. So he doesn't have time to have a full-time job. Um, so yeah, there are just like countless stories like his, um, across Texas that I've talked to. And I, I'm sure, you know, that extends beyond Texas. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's pretty, uh, it's a brutal time for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely wild. I mean, you always have somebody that you're talking to that has some crazy ass story. And this is a question I think I've never actually asked you is how do you guys find, or how do you find these restaurant workers or these people who are only, you know, making $79 a week because they're a part-time worker and they have a full-time, they're full-time student. Like, how do you guys go about even finding people to, to interview? Is it a lot of cold calling or is it a lot of like, how does that process work? Cause I, I just have no clue. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, all of the above basically. Um, it, it depends on the story, but in this case specifically, this guy, um, his name is Mark. He just like emailed me on Sunday because I had been writing about um, like the unemployment system. And so he's like, you should be looking at like, I make less than a hundred dollars and I don't qualify for X and Y. And then we, um, and he was like, I just don't think that's fair. Like the people who need it most, like he wasn't even talking about himself. He was just kind of like saying generally, uh, aren't getting the help that they need. Uh, and so we just kind of kept talking and then he would, t he was telling me more about his, you know, he wasn't even necessarily like looking to be featured. Like people just e like readers just email you, you know, like our emails are, are on our site. And, um, you just like hear from people. Usually people are like complaining about something or having like taking issue with, you know, something you wrote. Uh, but, or like in the Trump era, like way worse than that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So this guy just emailed me and then we just like kind of kept talking over the past like two days. Um, okay. and that's how that happened. But we have this, I don't know if other site, other sites do this, but we have this like call out on our site. It's at the, we like attach it to the bottom of stories sometimes where it's like, you can fill out like your name and you know, like there are all these like questions and you don't have to do it. It's just like there and a bunch of people fill it out. Like, especially during COVID because people just like want to talk because so many people have problems, you know, with whatever yeah. it is. Um, and so we like have this, it's through screen door and it's just like, and we've like filled, you know, we have these filters that we've kind of assigned and because so many people, especially these like restaurant workers, bar workers who have been really fucked with, they have been responding in huge numbers and just people like concerned about COVID people concerned about with questions about like school reopenings um, so that's been a genius. And that just, we just started that during COVID, um, as a way to, because it, it's actually genius because, uh, whoever on, on our team thought of it, um, it was super smart because if people, if a random readers are responding to these call outs, like they're inherently going to be engaged, you know, when you like cold call like a restaurant or like DM someone on Facebook or Instagram, you know, it's very, it's very just up in the air, whether they'll respond. But if someone is mm -hmm. taking the time to fill out a little, a quick, like several questions, they're, they're like inherently more engaged. And so they're typically 
I've found more willing to respond and, you know, talk further. Um, and it's crazy. We've had like, um, I was like texting with this, um, I've been texting with like homeless people and just like a whole smattering of people who respond to this, to the call out, um, who like have questions because like our governments do such a trash job of outreach and messaging to people who need to be reached. Uh, so like they're turning to us, which is like a, which is like a vote, vote of confidence for us, but it's also like, they shouldn't be coming to us with these questions, you know, like they should be taken care of if need be, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, what I, you know, it's funny. I, I told you that I watched the Patriot act on Netflix, right? Yeah. Did I, did I tell you about that show? Um, one of the episodes yeah. is actually, one of the sh- episodes was about, um, media in, in the United States. And it was talking about actually um, like, you know, like the Tribune um, or the New York times where the majority like print media um, is what I'm getting at and how yeah. print media in the past has actually all like done more, more research and figured out um, like murder cases and things of that sort. And it's because it's printed that they have to do the due diligence of actually doing things um, such as like actually fact checking and making sure that they have all the facts together because you can't put something down on paper, like literally on paper and then distribute it. So I always found that interesting that um, a lot of these news outlets right now, even, and and I'm just talking about again, bigger news outlets, CNN, Fox news, MSNBC, whoever, anybody else that's like that, they're, they have the ability to go down, go on and delete their, their own articles and stuff like that if something needs to be taken down or anything. And Mitch, I haven't seen another news outlet actually put up a like information kind of like questionnaire where it's like, Hey, like if you want to talk to us, come see, uh, come talk to us. But it does kind of show and prove how shitty of a job our government does at communicating the actual truth of what's going on inside those four walls, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I love it. Absolutely love it. So let's kind of go back to what AOC's first question was about this whole like fake news thing. So last week, Jarrell and I discussed having kind of like three free thought and how you can think freely on your own rather than just reading technically like one news headline and just believing it. And my question for you, Mitch, is like, what are your thoughts on this whole like thing that kind of came about over the last four years about fake news and maybe like some advice that you might have for the listeners today on how you can kind of put fake news to the side or you could take all of this different like news and maybe download it and have your own opinions or something like that? Well, I mean, the the phrase itself is just like unhelpful, obviously, um, <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> uh, but, you know, it's nothing new. Uh, you know, politicians have, have, you know, gone at the press for, you know, generations and you can find, you can find examples of this throughout history. Um, obviously it's just Trump has like made it part of his platform. Um, and, and it's, and it's 2020 and, or, and so you can spread messages much quicker and easier than, than you could generations ago. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, it's, it's actually has, I mean, it's generally unhelpful, but it has made, I think a lot of any, any news organization that's interested in improving, it has made them ask themselves tough, like tough questions and honest and have, and have honest conversations with themselves. Um, You've seen that with any, any news organization that's succeeding. Well, I guess like pre COVID because COVID is just like destroyed finances that are out of (laughs) some news organizations controls. But, um, but you know, any, any news organization that's like, that's done well during the Trump era, you know, they had, I assume a, a great look in the mirror in 2016 and has sent, and they've since been addressing any potential shortcomings that they, that they had. Uh, you, you know, you're seeing like the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, um, you know, all doing as good as they've, as they ever have, um, because they're kind of, they're leaning into 
the bread and butter of what they do, which is reporting. And, you know, meanwhile, you're seeing the, the big networks um, do more bloviating and, and talking head stuff, which uh, probably earns them more viewers and probably more money. Um, but ultimately, they're, it, it, it isn't as helpful to the, to the news gathering, uh, which is like kind of what Trump is lambasting, right? Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> You know, it, I think leaning into like the the core of of the mission, and and in the case of like those outlets I mentioned, there that's reporting and and like you know uncovering truths and and you know calling spades spades when they need to, and um, yeah, and, they, and they've been successful, uh, but that doesn't you know when fake news is thrown around like it is it's just like uh you know you have a whole segment of the population who just like thinks that a whole subset of news is on its face false yeah 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 Jarrell, do you have any any thoughts um i've kind of owned the stage the entire time just talking to mitch so i <laughs> want to make sure you have a chance to ask him any questions yeah i totally agree i was um I was going to say the the thing that I think is the most dangerous about Trump kind of ushering in this whole fake news phrase. I think it, um, it, you know, it was kind of what you said in the beginning chase of how, like, you know, back in the day we kind of assumed that whatever the news was telling us was true and factual and, you know, relevant and, um, sound and um i think over time i think trump has kind of told people not to trust the media in general but i think while doing that he's also saying you know if you can't get your news from the media then you kind of have to listen to me and i'm the only source of you know information that's sound and that's relevant and I think that's dangerous because, you know, there are some people that, you know, look at the news and they, they take it as fact, you know, um, regardless of what they're saying. And I think one of the things that uh, I was reading the AOC uh, thing that you sent me and the one, one of the things that she said that stood out the most was um, she said, like, you can still consume media, but. Uh, a lot of things that like people don't do is actually research what they're hearing and research, you know, the media that they're hearing. A lot of people don't like watch the news to kind of deep dive into whatever they see. They kind of watch the news to consume it, know what's going on and move on with their day. And so I think, you know, it, it's, it's a time where, you know, he's told us not to trust the media and I do think that, uh, you know, since then, a lot of media outlets have taken accountability and checked their bias and, you know, um, just uh, tried to figure out ways to progress moving forward, which is helpful. But I definitely think that, like, it's super dangerous what Trump's doing uh, with the whole fake news narrative, because, you know, we have to trust the media for... A lot of things. We can't just distrust the media entirely. Mm -hmm. I, no, I agree. I agree. And Mitch, I know you have to run kind of soon, so I want to get a question uh, asked to you from Saul in the discussion. Um, Saul, what's up, man? First off, um, I've actually tailed your UFC bets that you mentioned in Money Mondays, and they hit, so thank you. <laughs> um, but um, Saul asked, how important are face-to-face -face convos to reporting, and how has COVID impacted that? Yeah, uh, that's good. I just want to hit on one quick thing that Jarrell oh, mentioned um, on, on trusting the press. And it's kind of funny. Um, you see during disasters, like right now, for example, we have like a, a, like a big hurricane headed towards this part of the country and uh, or just any any disaster, any crisis um, governments, you know, will put out press releases, please 
help spread the word about this. We need to, people need to know what's going on. Um, you know, and, and they'll, they'll cite, uh, you know, our reach is huge. It's on the New York times or it's on CNN or, or Fox or wherever they're, you know, the stories that these governments are trying to get out, you know, to, to especially when it's involving people's, you know, safety with, a with, disaster striking um unless it's covid then we don't care right um but uh, um but you know in putting out that message the media is a really important part of that strategy for governments so it's only when it's convenient do they criticize the press right so it's you know a lot of times it's politics uh um but it's always politics yeah, I mean, a lot of times it is. I mean, sometimes, there, I mean, it, not always, because there are sometimes when when the press will just get things, you know, will be wrong about something, like we'll get, we'll have inaccurate information and that needs to be corrected. Um, but uh, to Saul's question, yeah, I mean, face-to-face is like a big reason I kind of even got in uh, reporting was just because I like the, I don't like sitting at a desk every day, you know? It's fun, like, doing different things every day and then reporting takes you to places you would probably never go otherwise. Um, so yeah. And it's also important because you get to like, you get emotions in person and real like moods and, you know, texture to like a, a scene or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, so that, that part of it is, is definitely, uh, tougher doing everything over the phone and through video, but, you know, obviously necessary right now. Um, so yeah, I guess to answer the second part of the question, it's just like a lot of phone calls and texting and video calls and that kind of stuff. Um, you still, you've still been out on the field of battle though, that haven't you? Because you were last, Um, last time we talked to Mitch, you were going to a protest to report on it, I believe. Yeah, I've been, I've been out a couple, I've been in the, I've been out a couple of times like reporting, um, that was for a protest with George Floyd's family here in Houston, where he, uh, where he grew up. But, um, yeah, it's mostly just mostly at home, um, like phone calls and that kind of stuff. We have to get like special permission if we're going to go in the field just because they want to, they obviously want to protect our safety, but also like they don't want us being like introducing some super spreader, you know, like if we, <laughs> potentially like spread it to some like community that doesn't have a lot of cases or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of precautions obviously that are, un- that we need to, that everyone's kind of taking right now. So it's just kind of, you know, just kind of part of it. That you makes know, sense. Would you say that, you, would you say that, or go ahead, draw. Oh, uh, you, you can go. <laughs> no, no, you got this. Oh, uh, my question was uh, kind of going back to the beginning. We talked about uh, headlines and how, you know, oftentimes they're dramatized to get clicks. Do you think that there can be a space in journalism where headlines are factual, but also interesting to the point where people can click on it, read it, and actually be informed as opposed to misled? Yeah, I think like, I mean, I think that I really like what um, ProPublica is a great news organization. Um, They are really good at headlines. The Texas Tribune, I mean, obviously I work there, but uh, like I see the discussions that go into creating headlines. Like, for example, I literally just, uh, read this story that I need to finish tonight. Um, we have this channel on Slack. It's called Hoedown. Uh, it used to be called Headline Hoedown, just like, you know, Texas shit. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but it's genius because we like workshop headlines with like our different you know, like there are a bunch of people in this channel, right? Like editors and reporters and, and you, you can like put your, you just like paste your story and, or like the top of it, you know, and you suggest a headline. And then we have like, you know, there's like a, a default headline that we have, like that's on the site. 
Um, and then you also like, can, you're also discussing like the, the language that goes into like the, tw- like any tweets that go out, like our audience team will like run anything by us if they have any questions or need clarity. Um, so, you know, it's like the kind of, you know, like the, as long as the headlines are like, being properly like vetted you know what i mean that's like the big mm-hmm. thing because i mean like my first job like you could just like put whatever headline you want just like publish the story like there's no editor there's like not really gatekeepers um and so it's just like an it's like an important balance to have like um people who know the internet and who know like who have news judgment like blended together um, and like right. know how to opt how to use SEO and combine that with news judgment. So you're not putting like Whataburger, Beto O'Rourke, University of Texas in every headline just to get a fuck ton of traffic. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, in Texas, like it needs to be like true to the story and to the like, whatever the like at the tribune it's like politics and policy so like we're not we're not like wilding with our headlines like we're just not that's like not part of it um right but you know like then they're like tablet like the daily beast or the new york post you know like those are tabloids and like their their stuff's like intended to be evocative um so like they get more edgy with it which is like fine i mean that's who they are um, but like that has to be kind of like clearly stated and like the audience should understand that when they come there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Mitch, are you telling us that you guys do put Whataburger in all of your SEO? <laughs> no, we don't. Cause, uh, <laughs> it was super funny actually when, uh, one time our, like our head of audience or <laughs> he was, uh, some editor like joked about something and he was like, don't you, what did he say? It was hilarious. It was something about like, don't you play word or SEO something, SEO trivia, SEO something with me. Like, and then he just had this hilarious line that was just like all the hottest words in Texas, just put like off the top of his head, you know, like three of them were what I mentioned, but they're just like, you know, you could go on you any think anything that's like very texas and you know and it'll and he had that in there as funny um but no i mean a lot of people do that right like you see it in on sites that have like these headlines that don't really match the body and stuff oh yeah i mean it's the same with like businesses again when i worked at digital at starbucks we bought dunkin and dunkin donuts um, as search words. And we actually had a higher bid than them. So anytime you search Dunkin' or Dunkin' Donuts on Google, Starbucks would pop up before Dunkin' would. And they actually, I think they bought Starbuck. Uh, so Starbucks without the S at the end. Um, <laughs> but it's just funny, right? Like I remember my first day on that team, my manager was like, yep, so these are the key the keywords that we've bought. This is how much we spend against them, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why is Dunkin' and Dunkin' Donuts number one? And she was like, oh, honey, you got a lot to learn. And I was just like, all right, I guess I do. <laughs> so I guess it's, I guess it's, it's true in all, all industries, right? Not only yeah. in coffee, but when you look at like the, the media industry as well. Um, I mean, shit, I wouldn't necessarily put Whataburger in a headline, but I definitely buy it as an SEO word. So that way I could move my article to the top, you know? Right, right. And then it's like, um, so for example, in April, May, and June, it was like when all, you know, like lockdown slash like into the reopenings, like Texas was obviously one of the first states to reopen. And we were basically just owning Texas governor on Google, like just because we were, we had like comprehensive coverage of, of like all of his decisions. We had like news stories. We had like deeper dives, like investigations, like behind the scenes stuff, like um, how his decisions were playing out with, you know, with, uh, with Texans across the state. So we were just like completely owning that term or that phrase on, on, on search. And so that was like, but you, you look at it like with the, with any big issue, like if you were to Google like Hurricane Laura right now, 
you would probably find like a New York Times thing because they're just like all over the SEO and they've been covering it. So they're like in the search, they're like, they already kind of like planted the flag early. You know, they probably did a story like Saturday or Friday, like previewing that these storms were coming and like any evacuation orders issued or whatever. Right. And so they're just going to be owning it. Um, you know, like that kind of phrase. So then their stuff just like obviously ranks super high and that's like, they get a bunch of traffic from that, but like with, so we just try to like own what is within kind of our mission, I guess, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's much more specific, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, like for example, Texas unemployment, we're kind of like, we're, we're doing a good job of right now. Like we're having just like crazy amounts of traffic through Google on, on like our unemployment stories, which tells us that a lot of fucking people are confused and, unclear about like what that what what's going on with unemployment and they're trying to like figure out what's going on and they're finding us you know yeah yeah that's true hey i mean i i think it's awesome i love the texas tribune i've been a lovely subscriber as long as you started working there um, i couldn't tell you how many months it's been um but i think it's dope and like the fact that you guys are even running like that virtual festival which i think is really cool and you know for everybody listening who doesn't know about this virtual festival the Texas Tribune puts it on, and sorry, Mitch, I'm speaking for you, um, puts it on every year. But it's I, this is actually the first year that they're doing it virtually because of COVID. And they have many different people come speak from all different industries, whether it's politics, whether it's business, um, and a wide variety of guests. And it's only, what, Mitch, like $25, $30, I believe? Uh, no, I think it's like 150 But like it was earlier. Like if you bought them earlier oh. in the summer, I think it was it was like much cheaper. But... Um, I must have gotten a damn pre, yeah. pre price, pre event <laughs> right. discount. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, um, yeah. So it's like, it, it's normally a, a long weekend in September and it's like a kind of like an ideas festival, I guess is what I, this is my first year working there. So I haven't been part of one before, but, uh, I attended as a guest once like a couple of years ago. Um, it's basically like an ideas festival, I guess is kind of how they brand it. Like, culture politics media is kind of like the cross section that they're trying to like hit um mm-hmm. you know we'll have like politicians from both sides of the aisle like u.s senators members of congress state officials like mayors then we'll have like um you know people like uh I don't know, like, I think Hillary Clinton's part of it, like a bunch of big, like DC and New York kind of media people, like, uh, I don't know, like Rachel Maddow, um, like people of that kind of Chris Hayes, um, oh, Fauci is part of uh, this year. Um, he's on a panel, um, uh, like Julian Castro, Gloria Steinem, Ted Cruz, well, Willie Nelson's on this one. This is our fattest lineup. I think in the 11 oh, dope lineup. years. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fat wow. lineup. Um, and it's every, uh, it's every night. I think it's like all of September because it's virtual. So it's just like a little bit of programming a day as opposed to like a weekend of like a bunch of different panels that it's usually on like, uh, like in downtown Austin and it's pretty cool. Um, but obviously this year it's virtual. So yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, and it's a lot of good, like, some of the panels, it's like, uh, so for example, the Ted Cruz, he's being interviewed by Jake Tapper and it's like a one-on-one. And then there are other ones that like I'm moderating a couple panels, like other reporters are moderating panels, um, some editors and Evan Smith, our CEO is just like a magician with like pairing up people to generate good convos basically. Um, so he, it's kind of like his baby and he, uh, he does a really good job of just like organizing it. And in addition to like our, obviously our, our like events team and others, but, uh, yeah, so it, it's pretty cool. Uh, you guys should, should check it out. It's all of September, which is dope. So you can, and obviously you don't have to like fly anywhere or anything. You just like pay for the entry, I guess. Um, nice. and you can access out oh, here to 250 speakers. So yeah, it's cool. I'm excited for it, man. I'm really excited to virtually go. I guess I'll have to put on my, you know, cowboy hat and some boots to make me think that I'm actually in Austin. Um, but no, I'm, I'm excited. Um, 
So we're actually, we, we typically keep the show to 30 to 45 minutes. So we're actually running a little bit out of time um, today. So in closing, um, I just want to thank everybody again for coming back this week. We'll be right back again next week. Same time, new topic. Um, and also, if you have a chance, um, head to your podcast app and check out my podcast called The Millennial Way, um, where we have similar conversations like we had today. Um, and I'm actually launching a brand new podcast here in two weeks. Uh, and it's going to be called Class After Dark, which will be a lively show um, that we'll actually record for YouTube. I'm getting the studio. I'm actually, after this, headed over to the studio set up right now to kind of double check in on that to see how it's going. Um, but we'd love to have all of you guys nice. join as fans and, and listeners as well. And then, you know, eventually bring you guys all up because I I personally can feel like I could talk to a brick wall. Um, but I think just having you guys here and, and also joining us every Tuesday is is awesome. So Mitch, Jarrell, any closing uh, remarks before we, we head out for the day? Not y'all take it. I talk too much. You, you go, you go for it. <laughs> no, you're good, brother. Jarrell, um, anything in closing? No, I've got nothing. Everyone just, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your mental state. There's a lot of crazy things happening in our country. So just do what you love. Stay motivated. You know, Love it. And Mitch, thanks again for joining us, man. This was a great combo today. Thanks. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, guys, you guys have a wonderful day. Tomorrow's winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. See ya. Yes, sir. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.